if you think about that as you're singing that song, what you're saying is, and we sing praise be unto our God for the Lamb has overcome. How many believe this morning that the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, has overcome death, hell, and the grave? And because he has overcome death, hell, and the grave, we too can overcome death, hell, and the grave. That's why the scripture says, Romans 8, 37, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. It's not because of who we are, what we've done, or what we can do that we overcome death, hell, and the grave. But it's because of who Jesus is and what he has done and what he can only do in the lives of those who place their trust in him that we can overcome death, hell, and the grave. So that's, a, that's an amazing song. Thank you, brother, so much for that. Uh, Y'all done a great job as always, and I appreciate you. Hope and pray you brought your Bibles this morning. If you have not brought your Bibles, um, then we, we do have the screen, but that screen is not so you don't bring your Bibles. I want everybody to bring their Bible. I'm going to promise you, you're going to get so much more out of a church service if you bring your Bible. I had a pastor tell me one time when I was a little boy, I came to church and didn't have my Bible. He said, son, don't you play football? And I said, yes, sir, I do. He said, well, would you go to a football game without your football helmet? And I said, no, I wouldn't. He said, why is that? I said, I couldn't play. He said, I'm going to tell you something. It's going to be hard for you to have church if you don't have your Bible. And so let me encourage you, bring your Bible. If you don't have a Bible and can't get a hold of a Bible, see me after service and I'll get you a Bible. We'll get you one before you leave. But I want you to know God's Word is important for us. So I like to see everybody having their copy of God's Word following along to see what God says unto you. See, folks, this morning, I want you to know that what I'm telling you don't come from um, a, a magazine or a book written by a man somewhere. I want you to know that what I'm giving you this morning is the absolute truth of what God has said. The scripture tells us, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So what I'm about to give you right here in John chapter number 21 is the writings of John that have been inspired by God, the Holy Spirit. It's God's Word to you. This morning, I want to entitle my message, A Campfire Conversation. How many like a good campfire? If you do, raise your hand. Um, I, 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 will, I love a good campfire. As a matter of fact, I spend a lot of my time around a campfire. About three or four years ago, uh, my wife wanted a fire pit for her Mother's Day present. And so me and my children went over to Fulton, Mississippi, to the stone yard over there, and we picked up a bunch of... Uh, bunch of stone and, and brought it back to the house and built her a fire pit. Now, I've got to, I got to be honest this morning. She's not up here, so I can talk about her. But uh, the, I, the, the motive for building that fire pit, it was really an ulterior motive on my part. Now, I, I love my wife, and I'm thankful for the mother she is to our kids. And we built that because we love her. But I'm going to tell you, that fire pit was just as much for me as it was for her. I love to sit around a good fire. Uh, as a matter of fact, that fire has become that fire pit has become my special place. Jesus had the mountain that he got along with his heavenly Father in. He had the Garden of Gethsemane that he got along with his heavenly Father in. Uh, around my house, that fire pit, fire pit has become my special place, the place where I get along with the Lord. So over the last four years, I've used that Mother's Day gift a whole lot more than the mother in our house. So I enjoy a good fire. Now, let me say something to you folks. A campfire is a great place for contemplation. Would you agree with that? I believe it's a great place for you to get your head right. Man, you can uh, sit there and, and, and think about who God is and who we are. You can think about what God has said and what he wants to do in your life. 
You can look back at what God has done for you and what God is doing for you at the present moment. And you can also look forward in faith to what God is going to do. So it's a great place to get your mind right, a great place for contemplation. But how many of you know that a good campfire is a great place for conversation? It's a great place where I can talk to the Lord and, and He can talk to me. And how many of you know that prayer is a two-way street? How many of you understand that God does speak to our spirit? How many of you understand that we speak to God, but He's ready to speak to us if we ourselves are ready to listen? And so I'm so thankful for those precious times that I've been able to spend with the Lord around that campfire. Do you know that there's an example of a campfire conversation in the Word of God? And it comes right here in John chapter number 21. In John chapter 21, Jesus Himself sits down with His disciples around a campfire and He gives them truth that changes their lives. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you what I believe. What I know to be true this morning upon the authority of the Word of God. That same Jesus who spoke to them around that campfire all those years ago in the book of John chapter 21 is the same Jesus who wants to speak to us this morning. So let's take a look at their campfire conversation and see what it means in our lives. I've got four main points that I want to give to you today and I'm going to start uh, in the first three verses. First of all, I want you to see that discouragement in our walk with the Lord many times brings desertion. Discouragement brings desertion. Now look what it says in verse 1 of chapter 21. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter. There's uh, one of the disciples. And then the Bible says Thomas was with him, uh, called Didymus. And the Bible says Nathanael was with him of Cana of Galilee. That's three. And then it says there were two sons of Zebedee. We know that to be James and John. That's five. And then it gives two other disciples, even though it doesn't mention their names. So we know there's seven disciples in all um, that the Bible is speaking of here in John chapter number 21. Look at verse 3. Simon Peter said unto them, I go a-fishing. And they say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they called nothing. Now why did Peter go back to fishing? Why did he go back to that old lifestyle of what he was and where he was before he met Jesus? Well, I believe it was because of discouragement that had entered his life. I believe it was because of fear of what the future might hold. And when he got discouraged and he got fearful because of the circumstances and situations that had happened with him in following Jesus, listen, he decides I'm going back to living like I used to live. I'm going to go back to being what I used to be. I'm no longer going to be a fisherman of men, I'm going to be a fisher of fish. Now let's go back and look at the calling of Peter in Luke chapter number 5. Keep your place there in John 21. And I'm going to go back and read for you just uh, uh, 5 or 10 verses in Luke chapter number 5. Luke chapter 5 starting with verse number 1. John 21 will make a whole lot more sense to you if you know what happened in Luke chapter 5. Watch this. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him or pressed upon Jesus to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Genesaret, or the Sea of Galilee, and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep, 
and let down your nets for a draught. Now verse 5 is a very key verse. Listen to what he says. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. At your word, I'm going to let down the net. I'm going to do what you say. It don't make sense to me. I've been fishing these waters all my life. I know how to fish. I know where to fish. I've been fishing all night. We ain't caught nothing. But at your word, I'm going to let down the net. And let me tell you something, to a child of God. Let me tell you something, people here at Mount Zion this morning. You need to understand, at the word of Jesus, we need to act. Can you say amen? When Jesus says it, we need to do it. And when Jesus says it and we do it, we can expect God's blessing in our lives. And God's blessing comes in many, many different ways. But you cannot expect God's blessing until you do life God's way. And so Peter says, it don't make sense to me. I can't see it with my physical eyes. I fish these waters all night long and come up with nothing. But because I believe in who you are, I trust in what you say. At your word, I'm going to let down the net. I love that. Man, what a lesson for all of us. Let's look what happens there. Um, when he lets down the net, according to the Bible. The Bible says in verse 6, And when he had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the ship, and they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, that they began to sink. And when Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. O oh Lord, for he was astonished at all that were with him at the draught of fishes which they had taken. And so also was James and John, the sons of Debedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, watch this now, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. Now what we read here in Luke chapter 5 is three and a half years prior to what we're studying this morning in John 21. And in Luke chapter 5, when Jesus calls Peter, he says, Peter, right now you're a fisherman of fish, but I'm going to make you a fisherman of men. Do you understand that Peter's purpose changed when he met Jesus? Do you understand the plan for Peter's life changed when he met Jesus? He's no longer going to be just a fisherman of fish. Now he's got a greater purpose. He's going to be a fisherman of men. But the Bible said because of his discouragement in John 21, he deserted his purpose. He deserted God's plan. And he went back to his old life. The Bible says he went back to fishing. Now let me ask you something. Is there anything wrong with going fishing? Folks, I want to tell you, there ain't nothing wrong with going fishing. I've said it before, I'll say it again. If there's something wrong with going fishing, I don't want to be right. <laughs> I love to go fishing. I enjoy go fishing. Listen, there ain't many things I like more than catching a good fish and going fishing. I enjoy that. The point is not that fishing is wrong. The point here is that G Peter, because of his discouragement, was turning his back on his purpose. So what happened in that three and a half year period that caused Peter to turn his back on the Lord and go back to his old lifestyle? Well, a lot's happened. Peter followed Jesus for three and a half years. Listen, and the Bible says when he called him there in Luke chapter 5, he forsook everything and followed the Lord. The Bible says he left his home. He left his family. He left his work. He left everything he knew to be normal and he followed wholeheartedly after the Lord. He forsook all. 
And for three and a half years, he helped Jesus in and through his earthly ministry. He saw Jesus preach to the multitudes. He saw Jesus feed 5,000. He saw Jesus raise up dead people. He saw Jesus walk on water. He himself, having joined him out on the Sea of Galilee, Peter saw Jesus do miraculous things. And then if you remember in John chapter 13, Jesus comes to Peter and the rest of the disciples one day and he says, where I'm going you can't come. I'm about to leave. I'm about to go back to my heavenly father and where I'm going, you can't follow me. Now I want to ask you something. Do you think that discouraged Peter and the rest of these disciples? Do you think fear entered their heart? I think so. I'm telling you, if you forsook everything, if you left your home, your job, your family, everything you knew to be normal and wholeheartedly followed Christ for three and a half years and then all of a sudden he says, you can't go with me anymore. Where I'm going, you can't come. Well, that would be very discouraging. That would be heartbreaking. And I think Peter's heart was broken. I think the rest of the disciples' heart was broken when they began to realize the plan that Jesus had. You see, they misunderstood it all along. They thought that Jesus was going to come and set up his earthly kingdom and they were going to be his cabinet members. They were going to rule with him on this earth. And when they saw that wasn't to be the case, I think fear entered their lives. Fear certainly entered their lives. Discouragement certainly entered their lives. When they saw this Jesus they had been following crucified on a Roman cross, when they saw him die, the one who had raised up dead people, when they saw him die, the one who had fed the 5,000, when they saw him die, the one they had gotten so close to, day by day walking with him and talking with him, the one they considered their Lord and Master, when they saw him die, discouragement filled their lives. Fear filled their lives. I believe they thought the same men who had crucified Jesus would soon come and crucify them. And so I think Peter finally came to the place where he said, you know what, I'm done with this following Jesus stuff. I know he's got another purpose for me, but I'm going back to catching fish. I'm done catching men. All because of the discouragement and fear that had entered him. Let me tell you something I saw. Time upon time upon time upon time as a pastor. Let me tell you something I've experienced in my own individual life and my walk with the Lord. Many times when we get discouraged, we turn our back on the purpose. We desert God's purpose and God's plan and go back to our old way of doing things, our old habits, our old lifestyles. We get back into bondage with the same stuff that Jesus saved us from from the start with. All because of discouragement and fear. All because circumstances don't work out like we think they ought to work out. I've seen men, children of God, but things happen in their marriage. Husbands and wives have problems and split up. And those husbands and wives that were so faithful to the things of God, just like that, fall out of church. You don't see them anymore. They quit serving the Lord. I've seen parents have trouble with their, uh, with their kids and their kids do things that are not pleasing to the Lord and go wayward and become prodigal sons and daughters. And just like that, men and women of God who have had a testimony and a great witness for years, throw that away and, and, and listen, desert their purpose and their plan that God has for them. I've seen Satan absolutely destroy the homes and lives of children of God simply because of discouragement and fear. Let me say something to you, child of God. I want you to know the world has nothing for you. I can do nothing about the decisions that other people make. 
You can do nothing about the decisions other people make. But let me tell you what you can do. You can be faithful to the one who laid down his life for you. You can accept what the Bible says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, when it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable in the Lord, which is your reasonable service. Paul is simply saying, if Jesus died for you, you ought to live for him. That's just reasonable. So folks, I can't fix circumstances and I can't explain circumstances. And I don't know why people do what they do. And I don't don't always know why things happen like they happen. But I do know this. Jesus is still on the throne. He is still worthy of praise. He's still worthy of worship. Don't allow your discouragement and fear to cause you to desert God's purpose and plan for your life. That's what we see Peter doing. And children of God, you need to understand there are always consequences to your actions. The Bible says Peter said, I go a fishing. And then what happened? Six more followed him. Watch this. John chapter 21. Verse number three, Simon Peter said to them, I go a fishing. They said to him, we also go with thee. Do you realize, as a believer, you have influence? See, you have influence over people you may not even realize. People are watching you. People are looking up to you. You don't even think that. You don't even think that's going on. But I promise you, it is. You have influence in people's life, especially if you claim the name of Jesus, especially if you claim to be a member of His body. His church. People are looking to you. People are looking to me. And you have influence. Peter said, I go a fishing. Six more fallen. So that tells me his choices did not only affect and infect his own life, but it affected and infected the lives of people around him. Let me tell you what we can glean from that, parents. Our decisions and our choices to follow Jesus or not follow Jesus will directly affect and infect the lives of our children. Let me tell you something, husbands. Our decision, whether to continue following Christ in spite of discouragement and fear, in spite of circumstances, our decision to either follow, keep following Christ or not follow Christ, listen to me, will have a direct effect and it will infect uh, the the lives of our families. Because you are the spiritual head. You're either leading your family to Christ or away from Christ. Let me tell you something, child of God, church member. Your decision whether to follow Jesus and continue in the purpose and plan that he has for you or not follow Jesus and not continue in the purpose and plan that he has for you, not only will it affect and infect your walk with Christ, but it will also encourage or discourage your brothers and sisters that are sitting around you this morning. Amen. Peter said, I go. Six more left with him. I want to tell you, I want to be so close to Jesus. Brother Steve Seller sent me something the other day. He said, I want to be so full of the power of God that if a mosquito comes and bites me, he'll he'll fly away singing, there's power in the blood. (laughs) I like that. That's where I want to be. Let me tell you why. Because I know I got a son that's looking to me. He wants.
wants to know what a man of God looks like. I know I've got daughters that look to me. They want to know what a man of God looks like. Maybe they'll marry one one day. Can you say amen? Maybe they'll be raising some one day. So I want them to know what a man of God looks like. I know my wife is looking to me. She wants to know what a godly husband is, what God wants me to be and what she needs me to be. I got a, I got a church that's looking at me as your pastor. So I want to be so close to Jesus that people see a difference in my life. I know my decision to follow God's purpose and plan will de- directly infect my life it will affect my life but folks it infects and affects the lives of those around me as well that's not just true for your pastor that's true for all of us don't let discouragement cause desertion don't do it the next point that I want you to see here comes in John 21 verses 4 through 8 in John 21 verses 4 through 8 we see that the direction of Jesus Again, brings blessing. Look what it says. When the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. And Jesus said unto them, Children, have you any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. They cast therefore, and they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Let me ask you something. What's the greatest blessing for a fisherman? Catch a fish. The greatest blessing I know of for a fisherman is not only to catch a lot of fish, but to catch a lot of big fish. <laughs> Amen. You know what I'm talking about, don't you, brother? I see Brother Buster all the time, man, holding up in big old sow bellies. I'm talking about them old bucket mouths. He knows what it's like to catch them big fish. So that's the, that's the great blessing for a child of God. Listen to me now. That's what that speaks to. When we follow the direction of Jesus, listen, listen, folks, we can expect God's blessing. Now listen to me. I'm not a name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, speak it and receive it kind of guy. That's that's not what I'm saying. See, I'm not saying if you follow Jesus that you're never going to have any problems, you ain't never going to get sick, you're always going to have plenty of money. Because the truth is we live in a fallen creation. And we're going to go through stuff just like everybody else goes through stuff. But I am saying this, the blessing of God comes in many shapes and sizes. And many different forms and fashions. Yeah, God may bless you financially. God may bless you with good health. Let me tell you what else God may do. God may give you wisdom to know how to manage the finances you have. Listen, that's a blessing. That's a great blessing. Let me tell you what else God may do. God may give you the power to help you overcome even though you do get physically sick. And he will. As a child of God. Blessings come in all kind of different shapes and sizes. But I'm telling you something. We cannot expect the blessing of God until we follow his direction. The Bible says that Jesus told him, he said, look, cast your net on the right side of the ship and you're going to find. Now I want to tell you something. At that moment, the disciples had a choice to make. They could either do what the Lord said or not do it. But there's consequences both ways. If they would have kept fishing on the left side of the boat, they'd have been fishing till today and still not caught nothing let me tell you why they're fishing in their own power they're operating in their own power by their own know-how and folks the truth is that just ain't enough you know what I've come to find out in my life my own power and my own know-how is not enough 
When it comes to being a husband, God wants me to be my power and my know-how just ain't enough. When it comes to being the father, God's called me to be my power and my know-how. It just is not enough. I've come to find out that this parenting thing is not an exact science. Have y'all come to realize that? And Man, I come to the end of myself real quick. My power, my know-how is not enough. I need the power of God. I need the wisdom of God. I need the wisdom to make the most God-honoring decisions in all points in my life. As a pastor, I've come to realize my power and my know-how is not enough to get the job done. In all points of my life, I need God to work. And I can only have God work in my life if I follow His directions. Now that's true for you, pastor, but that's true for you. Follow the directions. Don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer. See, the disciples had a decision to make. They heard the word. They had a decision to make whether or not to do it. You know, every time you're under the preaching and teaching of the word of God, whether it be in a service like this or Sunday school or small group or Wednesday night or whatever we're doing, do you know that every time you're in that, you're put in a place of decision? Either you can take that truth and apply it to your life or you can take that truth and reject it. And the choice is yours. The choice is mine. I'm going to tell you something. Every time I'm preparing for a message, how many of you know I get this stuff before you get it? I never feel like I'm pointing fingers at anybody because I promise you, listen to me very carefully, it comes to me before it comes to anybody and I've got to deal with a decision-making process before anybody else. So every time before I come out here and preach to you, I'm on my face saying, God, forgive me. You know my failures. You know my shortcomings. I need your grace. I need your mercy. It's me. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. But we all make a decision. Direction from Jesus brings blessing. Heed the advice of your pastor and the truth of the word of God this morning. If you want God's blessing, do life God's way. Amen? When me and my wife first got married, we, she was um, a sophomore in college. She, the year we got married, she started at UNA. Had two years of school left. And so that Christmas that we got married for Christmas, I bought her a computer. And she decided she needed a computer desk to go along with it. And so while we were off for Christmas break, we went over to Tupelo one Friday night and picked up a computer. On the way back home, I told her, I said, I think when I get home, I'm just going to put this together so that way we won't have to do it in the morning or next week. We'll be done with it. She said, okay. So we got home, and I started pulling everything out of the box. And, and because of my pride, I didn't think I needed to look at the directions. I could see how all that went together. I pulled out all this stuff, about 150 pieces, and I'm like, man, this ain't that bad. This goes here, that goes over there, and I'll just stick that together. And so I start putting that thing together, and, and my wife very wisely said, honey, do you, do you need these directions? And she held them up. I said, no, nah, I don't need them. And she said, are you sure you don't need those? They're right here. I said, woman. I don't need those. Go on to bed. In the morning when you get up, this will be together. I don't need them. And so, just like I asked, she went on to bed. And I commenced to putting that thing together the way I thought it needed to be put together in my pride. Because, I, I mean, I don't need no directions. That was at about 9.30. At 
I had before me a monstrosity of a computer desk. I promise you, you wouldn't have put your computer on it. It was terrible. Nothing was fitting right. Nothing was working right. And you know what I had to do at 1230? Take everything back apart. Get out the directions. And at 3.30 in the morning, I finished the computer desk. But that would have never happened unless I followed the directions. Listen to me, child of God. Put down your pride. You don't always know what's best, but God does. Apply God's truth to your life. Do life God's way and see if God won't bless you in many different ways. Many different ways. But you've got to follow the directions. The direction from Jesus brings blessing. Let me give you another one. I'm just going to hit this one in passing. Um, but the demand for fellowship shows us who Jesus is. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Look at verse 9. As often as they were come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, and the fish laid their own, and, and bread also. They're around this campfire now, and Jesus is cooking some breakfast for them. And Jesus said unto them, Bring of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew uh, the net to land full of great fishes, and hundred and fifty and three. And they were all so many, yet was not the net broken. And Jesus said unto them, Come and dine. What's he asking them to do? Sit down and eat with me. Fellowship with me. How many of you know, one of the greatest things about being a part of the family of God, especially here at Mount Zion, all us like to eat. Can you say amen? I, I do like it. I enjoy it. We're going to keep doing that. Let me tell you why. Because that allows us to fellowship one with another. Now, fellowship is certainly more than just sitting down and eating, breaking bread, but we can certainly fellowship by breaking bread. And so we like doing that. That's why we do a lot of that around here. What Jesus is saying, come fellowship with me. Talk with me. I'm going to talk with you. You talk with me. We're going to enjoy this meal together. This meal that I've blessed you with. See, this had to be working in the minds of the disciples. It's almost like Jesus is saying, do you remember where you were when I called you? Do you remember what I did when I called you? It's the same thing. Does that sound familiar, what we read in Luke chapter 5? Jesus said, let down your nets for a draw. At his word, they let down the nets, and they couldn't even draw them to the land because of all the fishes. Then he says right here, John chapter number 21, he says, let your net down on the right side. At his word, they let down the net on the right side. Bible says, caught 153 big fish. And they were amazed, amazed that the net didn't break. So what's Jesus saying? I have not changed. Your circumstances has changed. Everything in the world seems to have changed for these disciples. But what's Jesus letting them know? I have not changed. I'm the same Jesus that blessed you with those fish at the beginning by my power. My power is still real today and I'm still blessing you. In spite of your circumstances. And so this demand for fellowship shows them truly who the Lord is. Watch this, watch. Verse 12 says, Jesus said to them, Come and dine, and none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Evidently, in his glorified body, he didn't look the same as he had always looked. Something was different, but they, they, they knew who he was. 
Why? Because of what he did. And what at the, he did at the beginning, he did at the end. So that it showed him who he is. That demand for fellowship. Let me give you the last one. Not only do you need to see this morning, folks, that if you're not careful, discouragement will lead to desertion and also direction from Jesus brings blessing and discipline is given to show, uh, or excuse me, the demand for fellowship helps us discover who Jesus is. But also we need to see Matthew 20, or, or John 21, verses 15 through 19. Discipline is given to show the duties required of us. Verse 15 says, When they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He said to them, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said to them, Feed my lambs. He said to them again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said to him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said to them, Feed my sheep. He said to them the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said to him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. Why did he ask Peter three times? You know the story of Peter. We know in Matthew 26, Peter boasted right before Jesus went to the cross. Jesus said, I'm going to the cross, and all of you have been with me for a long time. But when I go to the cross, I'm going to go along. Everybody's going to forsake me. What did Peter say? Not I, Lord. Everybody else may forsake you, but not me. I'm going to stand with you to the end. I will even die for you. Jesus said, Peter, before the cock crows in the morning, you're going to deny me three times. And the Bible says that's exactly what happened. Before the cock crew the next morning, Peter had denied the Lord three times. And the Bible said because of this, he wept bitterly. He failed the Lord. And listen to me, it broke his heart. Do you know as a child of God, when you fail Jesus, it will break your heart? You shouldn't be okay with sin. And if you are okay with sin, just living your life how you want to live it, apart from the truth of the Word of God, that either you're so far outside the will of God that you're no longer hearing His voice as a child of God, or you've never been born again to start with. The Bible says Peter's heart was broken. Why was it broken? Because he failed the Lord. He failed the Lord. And so Jesus comes back and asks him three times. But to really get the picture here, you've got to see really what's being said in the Greek, the original language that it was written in. How many know in the Greek language there's many different ways you can say love? You can specifically say exactly what you mean. In the Greek language, um, there's, there's three different ways you could, you could say love. First of all, you can say uh, agape. Now we know agape is the word for a godlike love. An unconditional love that God has for us. The highest form of love. You can also say phileo. Phileo means a brotherly kind of love. How many of you in here has ever been to uh, the, the, the city of Philadelphia? Do you remember what the, the, the city of Philadelphia, what it's called? The city of brotherly love. Let me tell you where they got that from phileo, Philadelphia. They, and so there's many different ways that you can say love and say exactly what you mean in the Greek. To really understand what's going on here, you need to understand that. In verse number 15, Jesus says to Peter, he says, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Now the word he used there for love is the word agape. So he says to Peter, Peter, do you agape me? Peter said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Now, but when Peter says, you know I love you in verse number 15, what he says is, I phileo you. What, what he's saying is, Lord, I'm not going to come up to that level. Let me tell you why he's not going to come up to that level. Because he's already made that mistake one time. 
He was prideful and he was arrogant. And he said, Lord, I love you more than all of these. I'm going to stand with you no matter what. I agape you. I'm going to stand with you when everybody else falls. But after he failed the Lord, he was humbled greatly. And he looks at the Lord and he said, Lord, you know I phileo you, but I don't agape you. I'm not going to that level. So Jesus asked him again. He said to them again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Do you agape me? Peter said to him, Lord, thou knowest that I phileo thee. So again, he does the same thing. Jesus says, feed my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Do you agape me, Peter? Excuse me, in verse number 17, he says, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Now in verse 17, he changes his wording. Jesus says, do you love me? But the word used here in the original Greek in verse 17 is not the word agape. The word used here is phileo. So he looks at Peter and he says, okay, Peter, I get where you're coming from. You're not willing to come up to my level of agape, but I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll come down where you are. See, when we fail God as believers, and we're not serving God like we should, and we're not loving Jesus like we should, it's almost like Jesus is saying right here, when you can't come up to my level, as long as you love me, I'll come down to your level. I'll meet you where you are, and I will do with you what you can't do with yourself. Because this same Peter went on to feed his lambs. Amen? He became the first pastor of the first church in Jerusalem. He preached on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people got saved. He wrote the books of 1 and 2 Peter that we're studying right now in, um, in our Wednesday night Bible study. What a blessing that is. What am I trying to say to you? Peter was discouraged and he deserted God's plan and purpose. Peter turned his back on the Lord and went back in his old ways of doing things. Just like some of us do. We don't love Jesus like we need to from time to time. But the Lord is saying to us just like he said to him. If you're not up to my level, I'll come down to your level. I'll start where you are and I will use you for my plan and my purpose so that he might be glorified. And isn't that what we want? That's the whole purpose here. That he be glorified. Everybody stand up this morning. There was a campfire conversation that happened in John 21. Around that campfire, there's a lot of contemplation, getting your mind right, thinking about who God is, what God has done, what God has said. There was also a lot of conversation. These disciples speaking to the Lord and the Lord speaking to them. Let me tell you what I believe again. That's exactly what, what God wants from us today. He wants contemplation. And I'm hoping and praying that through his word there's been some conversation. I'm hoping that God has spoke to your heart so that you might know what you need to do. And if you need to do business with the Lord, this is your invitation. If you're here this morning and you've not yet been born again, but the Holy Spirit of God has convicted your heart, you know your need for a Savior, 
Today would you come? And I want to tell you that walking this aisle don't save you. Being in this church don't save you. And I certainly can't save you. But I can share with you according to the authority of the word of God that the same Jesus who has saved me can and will save you if you'll come. If you'll trust him this morning. So if you need to be saved, you come in this invitation time. If you are already a child of God, let me ask you this. Have you deserted the purpose? Have you deserted the plan? Have you turned your back on God and you're doing your own thing? I'm going to tell you something. The most miserable human being I believe on the face of the earth is the child of God who is outside the will of God not doing what God wants him to do and not being what God has saved him to be. You don't have to live a miserable life. You don't have to forfeit the peace and the joy and the purpose that was purchased at the cross. You're a child of the living God if you've been born again. And today what you need to do is confess your sins to the Lord and be about the business of He who saved you. It's your reasonable service. So this is your invitation. If you need to come and make a fresh commitment to the Lord as a child of God, let today be the day. If you need to be born again today, let today be the day. What are you waiting on? Don't wait. You come this morning. Go ahead, my brother.